You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and fully loaded chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Hi guys, welcome back. Um, Land and Legacy podcast, Adam and Matt are here. And, um, you know, we're going to roll into, you know, it's mid, getting up into the latter part of November. You know, this week is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. You love That's the enthusiasm? Yeah. I forgot you, you it was even spend, Thanksgiving this you just week. Wanna spend, uh, you just want to spend time with the in-laws and, and uh, family. I want to get, get together with family, talk politics, COVID regulations, mandates vaccinations i want to talk about all that fun stuff <laughs> red blue left right let's go <laughs> yeah virginia governor no, that's, that's, election yeah that, that that's a that's a very um <laughs> that's a good no. way to set off the <laughs> i sound a little sluggish probably this morning because um i got two kids who were probably dealing with ear infections or some kind of virus didn't sleep real well and uh I spent all morning getting snotted on and um, dealing with, I'll give you a quick story how my morning went, Matt. I've got that girl who's almost getting ready to turn three in a few weeks, and she's in that trying to test the boundaries. And I told her, I said, you can sit in that chair and eat those blackberries as long as you do it one at a time. And she goes, kind of looks at me. She finds the biggest one on the thing, shoves it in her mouth whole. And like sits there and kind of opens her mouth so I can see that she has it completely in her mouth and not chewing it. And I said, Maya, chew that. And about that time, her eyes got big and she was starting to choke. And I'm like, walk over there, rip it out of her mouth, put her in the high chair, give her a plate of chopped up. And I'm just like, why? Why? So here we yeah, are. Testing the boundaries. Testing the boundaries. But, oh, man. Um, guys, we put a 
bunch of videos on YouTube, and we're getting ready to drop um, my buck hunt this week. Uh, we're going through the final edits right now. And so be sure, if you haven't yet, go over to our YouTube channel. Just get on YouTube and search Land and Legacy. You'll see it. Please subscribe, and you'll see a whole bunch of hunts that have occurred over the last uh, this fall, as well as hunts from last fall um, with Trace Harker, Seth Harker, uh, all kinds of stuff. So um, Chad's Buck Hunt. So be sure to, if you can, support us over there. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. Um, one other thing before we kick it off, once again, we want to remind you of one of our partners to help support this podcast on X, one of our favorite apps, um, that we use not only in hunting, but most importantly in the land management side for Matt and I, as we work with landowners across the country and laying out bedding thickets, trails for access, TSI units, we're using on X to help us make our job easier so it's not just for public land hunters it's not just for hunters but it should be uh, a key tool in every one of you guys who are land managers um, toolbox so check it out at the app store onyx hunt or you can go to onyxhunt.com matt anything you want to add to that one nope you nailed it all right there you go so guys it's the towards the end of november um and we all think okay well we're right in the heat of battle, right in the heat of uh, of gun season or the rut or it's starting to rear up if you're somewhere down south and you're like, oh, the rut's coming. Um, but if you're like us, the, the habitat stuff never really stops. And that's something that we are just like always itching to get back in. I know there's times where I'm in a tree stand where I'm going, man, you know, the deer really aren't probably going to move. I could have been running a chainsaw and probably been way more productive than what I'm doing now. And so for us, I'm like, man, I like the habitat all 12 months of the year. Habitat uh, restoration, habitat management. And if you followed along, this is kind of an update on where we're at with Matt Neelam Ridge and me with Woodlands. Um, what all's going on? Um, because I think... You know, for a lot of properties, the work just shuts down come August and picks back up in January. And <laughs> I don't know if there's ever been a time on the Woodlands where we've had a more more work done in a smaller period of time. And that just happens to fall in October and November. So, you know, we've had we're having it logged. Um, and that's still occurring. That's still going on. And we also had the dozer roll in last week to create some of our food plots across the farm in the timber. So as you've known, we've laid out, um, uh, we've kind of laid out the property in us into uh, hopefully helping you understand that this butts up to the family farm and there are several big bottom fields that are the, that's pasture, but then there's a big chunk of timber to the west, and that's that's this property. And up until five years ago, there was one little opening about the size of a maybe a tenth of an acre, and everything else was just timber, 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 a couple glade remnants that were choked out in cedar tree, but for the most part. Um, you had a little tenth of an acre that was that was uh, open, and most of that was broom sedge. Matt, 
Don't you agree? I mean, it, it if you was, tried to sum up the farm 10 years ago, even five years ago, oof, look at it from a, a land manager or a, a consultant like we are perspective. There was a lot of work to be done. Yeah, I mean, it was um, <laughs> there, there, there was a long road to hoe, let's say, when it came to accepting that challenge to really make it as diverse as what this landscape has to be able to offer. It has the the, the foundation when I say foundation, I mean, that's literally all that it had. It had some great topography features that you could build um, movement off of, but but really everything was haphazard. The natural resources from obviously the largest thing being timber from, from its uh, natural resource standpoint uh, was way out of whack when it came to stem density, when it came to age, when it came to health. Um, there was just a lot of things that were um gosh just out of balance with way it should have been so it was definitely a challenge if someone uh, if, if we had consulted on it five years ago and uh had no previous knowledge of it just came into it from from a blind eye um there would have been let's say years and years and years of work and progress it wouldn't have been man this thing is going <clears> to <throat> just shape up in a matter of two growing seasons where you're just going to see this huge transformation. It was not only a, it's, it's a building process, but also a, um, a renovation at the same time. Like you have to build off of what little you had, but you, what was there, it had to be renovated too. So it's kind of like this weird in between some properties we'll go to. It's just like, Oh, let's just renovate because it's close to where it needs to be. We just need to make these tweaks and changes and we're there. Not really this one. No, no. This Not one was really. like buying a house that you're you're trying to decide whether you should bulldoze it down and just completely start over, or exactly. if there's a little bit of remnant that you can repair and fix up. It's like okay, this this property, right? It, it's its main structure was built in 1880, and then just added on the the roof is uh, falling in the. The floor has has rotted. The basement's got mold. Um, the roof needs repaired, but we're going to rebuild it and renovate it or add on at the same time. That's obviously a challenge um, mm-hmm. for anyone with with experience in let's say construction. But but here from this perspective, it was um, the land management side, and that's that's the equivalent of what when you and Chad bought it the the status of here we are. <laughs> we got to do something. I, th- I feel like we're we're right now in demo mode, where oh. we're knocking sheetrock off the wall and we're kind of stripping out old insulation and going, "Uh oh, we're going to have to rewire this." Um, but one difference is, it's not all bad news. Like, it's kind of no. one of those where we've done enough little bit of work that we have some some understanding of what's going to happen. But I would say it's like this. We're hammering out the sheetrock, and we are, um, the hammering out the sheetrock is the timber harvesting. And finding mold and finding termite damage is the same as finding that a lot of our black oaks are kind of doty and rotten in the base. And they're not as, even though they look big and healthy, they're not as healthy as you would suspect. So there's not as much value in them as other trees that don't have that. 
so there's that negative side going, Ugh, okay, we're going to have to replace some studs and maybe do some stuff. Hopefully this termite damage isn't too bad. But then in the meantime, we've cut a few little pockets and seen the plant response and been like, there's a little blue stem and there's purple top or grease grass all through this little cut that we did that was barely any cutting. So it's a lot like we pulled back the carpet and found hardwood floors. And we're Absolutely. like, oh, this is going to be fun. This is, there's there's a, a, a very diverse plant community here that's still growing slowly, more like just surviving, not thriving. And so we're looking at that going, okay, you know, after this timber harvesting gets done and we run a fire through here, we're going to see a lot of little blue stem most likely. What else well, are we going to find? Exactly. Like, you, you know, when there's when there's a, a rootstock <clears throat> of little blue stem there that will express itself with a little bit of light, you know, when you increase it that much farther, that what's associated with the little blue is probably a diverse amount of forbs as well. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, great, little blue is the best thing in the world. It's it's no, that that's an indication of there's more to come. Um, this is just the first steps <clears throat> of hey, there's something quality underneath of all that. There's something bigger and better here, and we're going to uncover it because it's worthwhile doing, and here's the process. But it's not a quick transformation. And, and, and honestly, yeah, when, when you're talking about the timing of October, November of, of all this work happening, um, if it's in that shape when you get it, why would you not utilize that time? Why would you not take two months and have – contracting crews, logging crews, and and uh, dozer work come in and, and utilize that time to make it better, faster, quicker, see these changes sooner, because it's not like it's a, a small weekend project thing that we're going to make this thing right. It is going to be a large overhaul and <clears throat> utilize that time. Utilize the time, even though it may impact a year's worth of hunting. At the end of the day, there's still the other objectives of harvesting does and just trying to get bucks to older age class. You're still in a building situation of a herd dynamic too, that you, you're not there. You don't, you don't want to just say, Oh, the habitat's here. It's getting there. The, the herd is trying to mature in and of itself too. So, um, I, I, although you guys may not be the ones, let's say cutting the tree or running the does or the work's still being done and, and, you guys are changing the herd dynamic with utilizing the hunting season. So it may seem like to someone, well, they're not doing anything. You are, it's not stagnant. It's changing um, at the hands of some other folks, but man, it's, it's changing at a pace that is super exciting <clears throat> from my perspective to see and get pictures and know the direction. No, and I know what it's going to be, but the process I think is, is what is the joy in yeah. doing this. And Matt, I just so, sent you a picture as another email comes in this morning, not in my uh, cell phone, uh, cell, you know, Cuddy Link email came yeah. through. So I was like, oh, I got to check that. Maybe there'll be something interesting on there. Um, you know, you, you mentioned yeah. the hunting aspect as well, kind of jumping into that, and then we'll jump back over in a little bit. But uh, the hunting th- side of it, you know, we did the podcast, The Year of Sacrifice. And I know a couple of guys made the comment when Chad shot a buck. Um, they're like, I thought this was a year of sacrifice. Well, 
Didn't say that if a good buck didn't show up, they were like, oh, yep, you know, he'll make the list that we wouldn't target him. Um, we but, just Yeah, and, and Chad shot the buck off on a whole different property. Yeah, totally. And uh, so Chad shot a buck, and then I shot I shot Goofy on on the woodlands. And um, the thing about it is uh, we've still been hammering does. You know, this past weekend I shot another doe with a rifle. Um We've still got tags. Uh, I've got one more doe tag for firearm season, which ends tomorrow. And um, so if my kids are better and I make it down there tomorrow, great. If not, muzzleloader season, still got a tag. Still got archery tags. Um, I forget how many we're up to now. Um, But, you know, we were shooting for anywhere from 10 to 20, kind of hopefully around 15. And as of right now, I think we're going to get there. And you're probably, probably right around eight or so right now. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so, you know, uh, we may have a few other people come and shoot does or I know I've got people lined up wanting some deer meat. So, um, that's all fun. Um, so we're still plugging away. So we're doing that while loggers are cutting trees and we're doing that while loggers are cutting trees and Dozer Man is pushing in new food plots. And I don't know what the total acreage will end up being, but I think it's going to be any, it'll be somewhere around 8 to 10 acres of food plots put in when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that I think that would bring the total up to, oh, just in that chunk of timber. You know, and we're losing the bottom. You know, the bottom we planted in soybeans the last couple of years to control some cerisa and get some good herbicide kill uh, down there that we've then turned into pasture. But we're also including clovers and alfalfa in that. So it's not a complete, like, turning into cool season grass that the deer won't ever touch. There's a bunch of stuff they'll benefit from. Um, But ultimately, I don't know what that brings the total number to, but probably somewhere around 15 acres on that farm of food plots. Right. So, you know, um, that's a pretty good. It's a good, it's a good, it's, it's a good balance. And that's the other thing as well. You know, the, you know, the deer herd is going to, if, if you plant all that acreage right now, you're gonna have, you know, plenty ample left over. Right. But the, yeah. but the, as the property is improving, um, your deer numbers are going to increase and be able to handle that. And, and guess what? Let's just say, you realize, hey, I can manage the herd <clears throat> at a level that I don't need quite all that amount of acres. Let's let's not be foolish and say, let's just continue to plant all those acres. You know that letting food plots go idle or or, or converting into um, old field or or planting wildflower type blends around mm. edges around yeah. pockets of some of those existing openings um, is is very valuable. So I know there's a lot of people out there. It's like. Now I've got all these openings or I've got this much and it's just fescue or it's just um, X and I, I, I'm, it's just invasive heavy and I want to doze. I want to get it gone. That's a great, that's a great um, idea, but it doesn't mean it has to be that food plot immediately. Yeah. Build into it, you know. And I you, think, you, you know, that's a great point. Up to that. When, when I was talking to Chad and I laid out and kind of walked it out and flagged it out for the logger. Um, I was looking going, you know, this is a little bit more elevation change and, you know, this is south facing slope kind of here. So I'm thinking, you know, let's do 20 yards of some sort of native mix. And when the dozer rolls out of there this week or next week, um, 
you know, it's bare ground, and I'm just sitting here going, if we have the bush hog, I can't think of a better time to throw some natives down. Now, we didn't get the seed bank. We didn't get a year of prepping, but I'm like, let's just try it. What what What's going to hurt if we throw some natives down and we mow it all this year, and then we just monitor it and see, oh, well, we actually were able to skip the year of, of spraying, and we actually just went ahead and put it on the ground this year. And uh, and ultimately uh, have a great stand of natives in a couple of years that kind of uh, helps. Basically, sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to catch up. I'm just saying I've had guys go straight from from dozing, um, straight clearing timber into planting natives, and just a few, a little bit of mop up invasive stuff after they've seeded. Yeah, and it's looking fantastic. It's it's good clean seed to soil contact. Um, yeah. that really allows for a good germination, good pop year one, and for that stuff to fill um, from what I've seen in that experience. And um, as long as you stay up on it with the mowing, like your weed control like you're talking about, mm-hmm. man, I think you guys could easily see that yeah. great success. I mean, and ultimately, you know, the the big part about this farm for me is to try to showcase all the things we recommend um, in absolutely. our consulting business. And so, like, there's things that I recommend in the northern uh, in the northern climate that I may do down here just because I want to showcase that for people when they come and see the place and be like, oh, okay, I see how you laid that out. I see how big of an area, what it looks like. That makes sense. So, you know, like evergreen thermal cover isn't as crucial in the Ozarks as it is in Minnesota or New York or Pennsylvania. But, you know, there are some times like last winter where it got really, really cold and mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? Let's do a couple of those areas and uh, plant them and, and go from there. And, you know, I've got my 700 almost $800 worth of seedlings coming in the end of February that is basically, you know, to give you an idea how many that is, they're all about 25 to $0.50 cents a piece. So however many that ends up being, it's a lot of, lot of trees coming. And uh, I think it's over 1500 if I remember right. And uh, a lot of, uh, not a lot, but a good amount is shortleaf pine. And so we're going to plant some shortleaf pine strips for thermal cover and wind blocks, um, but also diversify the forest. It's not a huge chunk, but, you know. And, and, and some screening, too. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. going to do some screening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's <laughs> what's funny is, you know, if if you plan out a year and say, okay, when's the best time to have the logging done? When's the best time to have the dozing done? Most deer hunters will say any time but November. And the last two years, that's when a lot of the work has been, like, we were surveying last year in the first week of November. Guy was everywhere surveying this out um, yep. on almost all my cameras, all over the place. So it was like, oh, cool. And then this year you've got the logging going on and the dozer work rolling in. And I just think some of my neighbors, like one in particular, um, one of the big areas that we're dozing out is right on the boundary. And that's one of the areas that we're trying to just diversify this part of the farm because it's a very northwest corner and there's no opening for a long ways. And we're saying, we want to have turkeys up here more. And uh, so we're dozing it. And he's got a blind right across the line. I'm sure he's thinking they just had to wait. And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, the person who's, who's suffering the most with this is me. Because they're driving through my place, and they're 
doing all the work on my place. And so if there's any deer, they're probably getting pushed out to the edges, which is on you. So it's just one of those things, man, that when it comes to getting the work done, you just get it done when you can. And right now this is when I can. Well, that's, that's absolutely right. And, and, um, are you, I'm going to transition and, 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 and talk a little bit about Elam Ridge right now, if you're good with that, because yeah. that's the mode that I'm switching into. I think I've hunted four, four sets or now probably five sets on, on the property. Um, this year I was fortunate enough to harvest a doe with a bow last week. Um, and that was the first deer that came off the, the property, but I had done a lot of initial work in the summer and trying to renovate the house, but then knowing that, Hey, I want to try and do what I can, you know, with half of a growing season, get some sort of improved cover on the property and then plant some, some food and have some more destination type food. I want to see what that is going to do. And there's been deer out, um, been able to get pictures of uh, a couple um, decent deer. And I think I'm, pretty confident based on the, some recent pictures that they have made it through, which is fantastic because uh, they were a little younger, but all that to be said, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, there's not a deer here right now that I want to shoot, which is not shocking against 35 acres. Um, and I think it's only going to get better as late season comes on, but I still am going to go and utilize this time not only because I have time before we really start hitting the road a lot for consulting, but because really the natural resource is telling us that it's time um, to go and do FSI projects to thin the forest more. Because um, if you, if you're taking note while you're hunting dogwoods, elms, maples, um, a lot of mid story type trees, sassafras, they butted out. And yeah. so now we know that there's going to be a, a strong shift um, if it's accessible that whitetails are going to shift to woody brows. And so um, if we are in there thinning at this time of the year, we're, we're, we're only adding cover for next year, but we're also feeding deer at the same time. So um, I've got fescue that needs to be controlled and, and, and um, sprayed out. But then there is a large amount of timber that really needs to be improved and enhanced um, and that's going to be a big objective here, even though really for this property, I think we're getting into some of the best times that it can shine based on some of the, the food that's here comparative to the rest of the area. I'm going to be chainsawing because I'm, I'm still only increasing food and I'm only increasing cover at this time of the year. And, and another so I'm like, okay, well, yeah, you can cut, but you're not going to scare all the deer off the place. I would just want to say, you know, it's 35 acres. When I crank up that chainsaw, no matter where I'm cutting at, if there's a deer bedding on the property, they hear it. Like, it, it is – size does matter, and, I, and I'm potentially going to bump deer off the property. But I'm not worried about that because, again, I have the most food. I have the best cover, and I'm only increasing it more right now. So if you're in that ballpark, this – and you have a lot of projects going on and to do too many, um, <laughs> right? So, so, you know, someone could say, Oh, well, you're just doing it now because you have so much to do. And that's when those crews were available. And, you know, I get that, that, you know, that's not optimal, but 
in comparison, I'm sitting over here saying I have a smaller property and I'm still doing those same things. I'm still taking the time at this point of the season to make this, these big, bigger changes for, for this size property. Um, I've already probably cut five to six acres of, of, of woodland throughout October, November um, on a portion of the property. And I'm starting to think about, okay, now this is cut, what's the priority for burning? So I'm going to start cutting in fire lines as well and maybe do an initial blowing off of the leaves. So when I know when it's time, this late winter, early spring, I have things set in place to be able to burn and drop a match pretty quickly. So we're trying to encourage no matter who you are, what size property, where you're at in the country, there's not a bad time to be doing this work. And it's probably only going to serve you now and in the future, opposed to just thinking about it from a negative and from an intrusion and from a disturbance standpoint. We have to remember that a lot of species that we're chasing are a disturbance-driven species. And I know some someone's saying, well, that's different disturbances. Yes, but you have to intrude to run a chainsaw. You have to you have to be a disturbance to create a disturbance. And so yeah. you, know, you you can't just sit back and think it's going to change on its own. Be in there, be active and do it and take this time right now. Like on, on, on a whole nother note, I guess the lease property that we've talked about, um, I could be hunting that that farm today and the rest of the week. But um a neighbor shot basically the only target buck that I was after there. And so, you know, I'm saying, Hey, okay, that's the case. Let's, let's just now utilize this time for, for that much more, more work instead of hunting. You talked about Adam earlier, you know, you're sitting in the stand, you're like, I just, I could be doing other stuff. And and it's, you know, you say that after you don't kill something or you don't see what you want to, you want to kill, but that's, that is the reality okay, now I've got that much more time to devote into what I can control, not a leaf, but what I can control here at, uh, at Elam Ridge. So that's fun. And honestly, it's like, I wouldn't say it's a relief, but it's like, all right, this is where my focus is. This is where my attention is. And um, I, got, I got some chainsaw chains that I need to pick up from the shop that are sharp and I'm ready to, I'm ready to dull them up again. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And that's, that's it, man. When you, when you look at it from the leaf standpoint, it's like, yeah, you could go and hunt and maybe have a random buck show up or you shoot a doe, but you could actually invest some time into the work on the property you own and be better suited for years to come. And, Absolutely. you know, prioritizing, man, we talk about prioritizing so much and your return on your investment. And there's a reason for that. When you look at whether or not you could... You know, the fall isn't just for hunting, uh, and that's been kind of the perception that we've given for years um, well, as we, the hunting industry been, is like, okay, yeah. well, that's yeah. the time you stay out. That's the time you you don't add any pressure or disturbance. But, man, if you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? It just takes yeah. time. If, if it comes to old field management, let's just say, and you don't do it in the fall, that means you're doing it in the spring, which it may mean that – the weekend in March that you were going to the farm, instead of burning during a great burn window, you're spraying fescue, which you should have been spraying in the fall. Yep. yep. Everything which, just which continues time. to just 
uh, add up and you need to be able to prioritize and continue to get work done when you can. And, you know, to tie this whole podcast in as we start to wrap up is just the fact that there's a lot of work to be done. We're doing a lot of work. You know, one of the big things that I wanted to point out, too, on the on the food plots was just that hopefully it'll become more clear. New satellite images come up of the farm, and you'll be able to see how big the food plots are. You can see on, you know, on, on the woodlands that if we just took every flat open spot on Ridgetop, we would have, we could knock out a pile of acres. But I don't want to do that, and certainly makes it harder to hunt. So when you look at where the food plots are laying, you'll realize, oh, okay, this makes sense. This is a ridge top, but it's not the entire ridge top. Or this is a, a ridge part of a ridge, but they didn't extend all the way down that the spine of that other ridge and make another four acres that way. Yep. And it all exactly. comes down to really trying to maximize the hunting maximize your time more acres in food plots means more time on a tractor more seed cost more fertilizer cost um, less ability to bottleneck deer and so there is size matters and i'm not talking bigger is better especially not in food plots and uh, so we're plugging away matt and i both and you guys should be too i i there's something that is just so rewarding and I, and I don't think that you have to necessarily be a landowner I think you just have to have warm red blood or purple blood running through your veins to enjoy this stuff like you just have to have a pulse to be able to get out there and um, make improvements and know that you're changing things for the good that is rewarding in and of itself and um, Adam, you've had a successful season. Chad's had a su- successful season. Uh, if, if it all just ended here, um, I'd be super happy. Like, I, I mean, I would, I would sit back and say, you know what? This hunting season has been fun. I've learned a lot. I didn't have any expectations of what the heck would happen on, on Elam Ridge. I'm not, I'm not unsatisfied. I'm just sitting here thinking I learned what I wanted to learn by observing, let's say early season, mid season, we're getting into late season, but what I've learned so far makes me so excited to be able to go and, and do the work that I know needs to get done now. It's yeah. just that part of it is, okay, we're learning now it's time to do. And I can't really hold myself back from actually going and doing it's just, okay, it's time. Let's do it. I've got time and we're going full bore. Yep. That's right. I just I, right. I did get permission from uh, from my wife. I said we were looking out the kitchen window the other day, and um, I have strategically so far left some larger cedars along one of the roads, um, and uh, I didn't want to shock her with the view. But I said, "Hey, just you know, figuratively, would you want to look out that window and see this longer view across the big drain with some scattered trees? Cause right now those five cedars right there that I'm staring at, they need to go. She's like, as long as it doesn't look ugly. I said, well, after fire, it won't look ugly. I promise. Yeah. So I got, I got pretty much full permission to, uh, I, I took it as full permission. I'll probably, she'll probably regret what, what she said when she sees it. But, um, those, those trees are, are, um, their, their days are numbered. And uh, it's going to be new fire break, new access, and new wild- place for wildlife to move through. It's going to be safe and secure. So it's 
it's fun. We can talk about this all day long, but no doubt, it's cool to to brainstorm and share it with you guys. And we hope that in that sharing, you guys learn and are encouraged to go out and do the same thing yeah. on your guys' property. Yeah. Well, just an update to kind of remind everybody that we're still doing stuff during hunting season and that what we're doing is making an impact and that, you know, as, as things begin to fall into place and more work gets done and landscapes are restored and we'll be bringing more and more content to you guys to hopefully encourage you to do what we're doing. So, and there are some really exciting things that are coming that Adam and I are jazzed up to be able to share with you guys. We just can't unveil yet. Um, but, but in the form of, of content in the form of, um, just a a new look for land legacy. So we're excited to share all that. Yeah. All right, guys, we appreciate you and we'll catch you next week. See ya.